0: chapter 3. You say, my goodness, <clears throat> why so many passages? Well, for uh, well, first one, I, I didn't give Jack uh, Genesis 3 because it was kind of something <clears throat> that came to me, but I want to share that first, Genesis chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. Now, the serpent was more shrewd of all the creatures that the Lord God had made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say you must... Excuse me. Well, that's right. God made. Really, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any of the fruit in the garden? Of course, we may eat it, the woman told, and it corresponding with Satan... It's the only fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it we should, or even touch it, or we will die. You won't die, the serpent said. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. You'll become just like God, knowing everything both good and evil. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh and delicious... And it would make her so wise. So she ate of it, some of the fruit. She also gave some to Adam who was with her and then he ate it too. At that very moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they strung strung fig leaves together around their hips to cover themselves. Toward evening, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord God called to Adam, where are you, Adam? He replied, I heard you, so I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked, the Lord God said. Have you eaten from the fruit that I commanded not to eat? You know, last Sunday I, I preached to you and shared with you that, we all, every one of us, are going to be tested. As a matter of fact, I feel like in many ways, <clears throat> I've probably been tested more now than I have for a long time. My wife told me the other evening, she, I, she, I was telling her about just some of the ways I felt on the inside, and, and uh, she said, well, Mike, you come from the Franklin background, and the Franklin wants to control everything. You always feel comfortable when you... Well you're when you've got everything in your control, or when you understand it, or you you're you know, you know how to call it, but when you're totally out of it, that is, you don't I mean, I can't sit here and understand much of nothing right now. I couldn't even understand a simple phone call this morning when a call came in that from Kay Adams that buddy had passed away. Now now, who would you have thought to call Buddy Adams, right? Well, I was smart enough to call Miss Nell and say, how's Buddy doing? Because I just found out at 1.30 this morning when Cindy was reading her Facebook that he'd been in, Buddy had been in the hospital for four days, but we had a death. And I wasn't about to say, did he die? I just listened. I have learned enough of a, to keep my mouth shut long enough to find out what the truth is. Well, then I was confused to who died. Buddy did pass away, but it was Buddy Gilbert. Joy Gilbert's husband passed away this morning at 4 o'clock. I guess what I'm trying to say to you, when it comes to tests, we're going to have them. It. it may be the losing of loved ones. It may be the losing of friends. and And I've watched all week them taking down and starting dismantling the trailers and down... It is every f- bit of a fiber in me to keep from getting mad all over again. And sometimes I'm sad, I'm <clears throat> mad, and I get, you just, I-, I just got so many emotions that go through me. So I know what the tests are all about. You do too. But see, James moves on, not just talking about the tests that we have in life, but then he begins to talk about the temptation. Guess what? Nobody in here is exempt from temptation. As a matter of fact, if you'll turn to James 1, in verse 13 it says, Remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me to do it. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone either to do wrong. Temptations comes from the lure of our own evil desires. And these evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Well, it's kind of clear that Satan, to me, and I'm just going to expose him a little bit. He wants to do everything he can to upset our life. I've seen preacher friends that got pulled out of the ministry, pulled down because they didn't, while tests are not temptation, tests can turn into a temptation by which you fail. And I've got preacher friends that have failed, and, and, and as a result of that, they're, they're dislodged out of the ministry. You see, Satan is a pretty smart dude. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something, and you probably already know this if you've heard me preach on this passage, but Satan is a pro at fishing, and he's a pro at hunting. And I'll show it to you in just a little bit. You see, Satan loves to fish. He loves to hunt, but he's after participants. He's after people. He's after you and me. And he doesn't care whether you're a believer in Christ. He doesn't care whether you're a necessarily even an unbeliever. But because you're a believer, he's coming after you a lot harder and heavy than he would be if somebody he already had. Satan loves to lead you and I into a life of sin and disobedience. He just really doesn't care whether he catches us or he entraps us. It matters not to him. So I want us to take a look this morning in Satan's tackle box. You know, it's an amazing thing because some of you like to fish here, and, and, <clears throat> and I like to fish and hunt. Matter of fact, I'm doing everything I can to train a couple of young bird dogs, and uh, they're doing pretty good. Went to my first woodcock hunting, uh, not this. I was going to go yesterday, but it got rained out last Saturday. Pointed, shot my first woodcock over my dog. I, I was elated. But I also love to fish. I like, I got spoiled in saltwater fishing. I don't care a whole lot about fresh bottom fishing anymore. I I love saltwater fishing. But so does Satan. And Satan loves all this kind of stuff. And I'm going to show you in just a minute exactly what I'm talking about. But as we look into his tackle box, I want to tell you something. You and I are always looking for different ways and different kind of tackle. If you like to fish, different ways to catch fish. Satan don't do that. Satan has the same bait that he used in Genesis 3 than, than he uses today. Now, if you don't believe me, I want you to turn to 1 John 2, 16. This bait is described, and we'll hopefully get there, and, and I'll let you hear it of what took place in Genesis 3. But in John 2, 6, or 1 John 2, 16... It says, for the, lo- the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust of everything we see, and the pride in our possessions. Listen to this. These are not from the Father. They are from the evil one in this world. If you can't see the evil in our world, I just want you to know you're blind. Even if you couldn't physically see, you would sense the evil that is in our presence, that is in our world. And sometimes I think we are our worst advocate when it comes to letting Satan pull us down. We're our worst enemy when that comes about. Now, let me say a couple of things. One, I want to talk about the source of sin, and under that, I want to list you three things that we see here in 1 John 2.16 about Satan himself. First of all, he uses the lust of the flesh. The word lust is not a bad word because the pure definition of the word lust just means desire. Now, God has given us desires, thank goodness. If you didn't have a desire... You probably never would get married. You probably never would eat. There'd be a lot of things that you probably wouldn't do if God hadn't given you a desire to thirst. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But you see, the lust of the flesh that he's talking about here is the cravings and longings of the flesh. It took me a while to understand and perceive, and I I purpose personally sometimes do not walk in, in who I am in Christ. I still sometimes have a tendency to lean on the flesh rather than my faith. But as a <clears throat> a believer, the Bible teaches us that when we get saved, that we receive what kind of nature? A new nature. And that the old nature, the old things have passed away dead and gone. You say, but now, Mike, I still feel the pull I'm born again, saved, but I still feel the flesh pull. Sure you will. Want to know why? Because your flesh is unredeemed. Your flesh, when you die, is going to rot in a grave. Your flesh is, did not transform. It's you that were transformed into a new creature in Christ, not your flesh. But now we can walk, the Bible says, in the newness of life. Now, that is is the challenge that we all have because sometimes if we're not careful because of the lust of the flesh, we will be just like Adam. Rather than saying, you know what? Bless God, I don't have to sin. I don't have to do wrong. I don't have to make wrong decisions. You don't. Now, we often do, but we don't have to anymore. Because we have a new nature, and it's the nature of Jesus Christ. But to an unbeliever, the unbeliever has a fallen nature. Now, whose nature does he have? Adam's. The Bible says and that when any, whoever's born, as precious as a little child is, when they come into this world, they are born, and, and, and the nature of Adam has passed on to, to anyone born into this world. Now that nature left by itself and it's and if, if that nature has not been replaced with the new nature, that nature will go straight to hell. You say, where do you get such a teaching? It's in the Bible, man. It's just what Jesus teaches about our lives. Well... Was there anything wrong with eating the fruit in the garden? Huh? No. There was nothing wrong with eating the fruit in the garden. There was only one tree in the middle of the garden that God said, Adam, Eve, don't eat of it. Now, was that unclear? You know, a lot of people go, well, he didn't re- that's what Satan started his conversation with him. God didn't really mean that. God didn't really mean that you have to hold on, hold out on sex until you get married. Yes, he does. God really doesn't mean that you, uh, you don't take a good uh, desire like thirst and satisfy it with a good old cold bud. That's not what God desires. You might do it, but that's not what God desires. You know, that's why He made water for you and I to satisfy our thirst. So the lust of the flesh, but then these are, this is the trinity of temptation. This is what went on in the garden. There was the lust of the eyes. The Bible, uh, or, or just logic, tells us that the eyes are the gate of the way to our mind. You see, what Satan likes to do is to take and put things before us that gets us thinking about certain things. It's described in Joshua 7. Listen to this verse. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, I hid them in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. Achan first saw, and then he coveted. In other words, here's what Satan will do. You already know you're going to be tempted. What does the Bible say? Every man, that means woman, man, every child going to be tempted. What are we going to be tempted of? We're going to be tempted of our own desire. Now, there was nothing wrong with the desire to eat the fruit in the garden. we just told, don't eat the fruit that God says, and it was forbidden fruit. Don't eat the fruit that God says, don't do it. Don't even look at it. Don't even touch it. Because there's consequences for it. And we're here today because of those consequences. You see... You and I are no different than Adam and Eve. We often have the lust of the flesh appealed to through a bait that that normally is pointed to our weakness in the flesh. We have the lust of the eyes going on, and then thirdly, the pride of life. The, pride, the word pride describes a braggart, one who was trying to impress others with their importance. The world seeks to get us to become self-centered instead of Christ-centered. You know what? If all we're worried about is us, m- taking care of us, making us feel good, making me feel good, then if that's all you're ever really concerned about, you're a prime candidate to be led astray of Jesus because you wouldn't be any different than Adam and Eve. Satan would come to you and say, hey, man, God didn't. God's holding out on you. You can eat that if you want to. He's not going to do anything to you. Well, he did, and when God says something, he means it. You see, that's who Satan is himself. He's a person that loves to pull us out. He likes to pull us down. You know, it's, it's hard to believe, but Satan in the very beginning was a created being. Guess who made him? God did. But God didn't make him the devil. God did not make him evil. God didn't make the concept of evil. And if you begin to believe, because let me tell you something. The reason drug addicts stay drug addicts, the reason alcoholics stay alcoholics, the reason Adam wasn't uh, trying to come around any quicker than what he did is because he wanted to blame his sin on somebody else. He said, God, in Genesis chapter 3, I think around verse 12, he said, look, it was the woman you gave me the reason I did what I did. Now, how many of you ever heard someone that's sinking in a life of sin that's not blaming it on somebody else? Let me tell you something. The only way you and I will ever come to grips with our sin in our life is that we admit that it's first of all wrong and that we need to repent of it and quit blaming it on our daddy and on our mama, quit blaming it on whoever... We have to accept the fact that we're responsible for our own lust, our own evil, our own wrong. James one thirteen said, God has never been tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone to sin. He cannot sin. He's never sinned, and He never will. The fact of it is, you and I, often think like the modernists and the liberals. since God created everything, it stands to reason that He created the impulse within me to do evil. No, He did not. He didn't do that. When Adam and Eve fell, they were perfect. Why did they fall? Because they chose not to listen to what God has said. You see, too often we attempt to justify such a theory to pervert to to pervert the truth of the Scripture, and it attacks the character of God. Someone has well said, "God tests us to strengthen us, but we're tempted by uh, the evil one to not to sabotage our faith." Satan will not waste any time on you tempting you without the intention of you, of killing you, stealing from you, or destroying you. That's what he's up to. And he doesn't care who he does it to. Verse 14 in in James chapter 1 tells us that every man is tempted. The idea is that sin and temptation is a common denominator among humans. And it is because why? We received at birth the Adamic nature. Adamic nature means a nature bent toward sin. See? And it isn't until you and I give our hearts and life to Jesus Christ that we give our chance oppor- ourselves the opportunity and chance to be able to stand up and fight against temptation. Not everyone who's tempted gives in to temptation, or at least every temptation. I mean, do you give in to every sin? Are you sticking a needle up your arms, pumping drugs in your arm? Are are you eating to gluttony? You know, i I can go on and on and on. Are you fooling around on your wife or your husband? I, I just, that's not the wisest thing in the world to do. If it doesn't get you killed, it, it probably should have, as far as getting us all killed if we do something like that. You see, no one is ex- excluded when it comes to temptation, and we're all going to face temptation, but listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There had no temptation taken, to, to, taken you, but such as common to all man. What does that mean? Common means that it is the human thing or, or that we do after man. But Jesus, or Paul goes on to explain that the cool thing about temptation is temptation is sin presented, but sin is when temptation is participated when we've yielded to it. We don't have to yield to it. And, and let me tell you something. It is very difficult sometimes for you and I to overcome some sin that we've yielded to because it, paid such a con- it had such a consequence to go with it. So understand the person who says, Well, I, I just believe you ought to sow your wild oats before you grow up. Every wild oat you sow, I promise you will come back to haunt you when you're, when you're my age. Every one of them, you won't forget them. They will haunt you. Remember, for every sow, for every temptation... Paul says, when you're tempted, there is a way of escape. What's that mean? What's that mean there's a way of escape? I'm asking. We don't have to do it. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, like Flip Wilson, well, of course, he's so old, I'm probably defining myself, but the devil made me do it. The devil never made you do anything. The devil doesn't have the right to make you do anything. You do it by your own, James tells us, by our own evil lust. That's where it comes from. It's not the devil. I learned a long time ago what the devil can do. He sure can make a table, food, look good. He can make the presentation of whatever temptation is coming to look great until you participate. And then all of a sudden, it becomes very, very ugly. Well, what about Satan's toolbox? Let's, let's, let's talk about it. I think there is, a, there is a pattern and purpose of which he follows. I think the first one, if you were to look in his toolbox, you're going to find, as I said about Satan, you're going to find the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, in James, he says, it's going to be three or four more things you're going to see that's in his box. It's been there since he fell out of heaven and all the demons with him. Number one is desire. Look at it. What does it mean? When we come to desire, James says, by our own desires, by our own lust, our own normal desires, our own hunger, our own thirst, our own uh, desire to want sex and riches are given by God. When we satisfy these desires outside of the will of God, then you and I are in serious trouble. Serious trouble. So the, 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 the desires begins with us. Now, <clears throat> I will say this. Every one of you in here have a weakness, and maybe many weaknesses. I have many weaknesses. And you know, when I read the New Testament, I read the purpose of Jesus and that he wants to take those weaknesses in our life and make them what? Strengths. He wants to strengthen us in our weakness. Therefore, when we're strengthened in our weakness, guess what? We don't give in to the temptation. What? So e- I think it's Paul that says in Hebrews 11, the sin which so easily besets us. I mean, there are some sins that you fall for every time, right? Well... If you ask God and you get serious about that weakness, he will strengthen that weakness and allow you to overcome it. Well, the second thing that you'll find in the tackle box of Satan is deception. He uses two words that describe his ability to be a good fisherman and a good trapper or hunter. Number one is the word enticed. The word enticed means to bait a hook, I've never caught a fish on a naked hook. I've never just taken a, a regular, now uh, maybe you can get in, you can snatch them I guess if if you know what you're doing, but, but just to throw a hook in the water with no bait on it, I, I can't get one to bite. But if you put a big old fat juicy worm on that hook, they'll wear it up. I mean, saltwater fish are so particular sometimes. If you don't put the shrimp on in a certain way, you know, and and it don't have to be hiding the hook. It just has to be on the hook. But you and I, we have to realize that there is no temptation that's ever going to appear like a temptation. You hear me? Temptation is well hidden. In other words, you have to look for the hook. And oftentimes when we feel the pressure or the pain of that hook, it's too late. But Satan's smart. He knows to dress it up. He knows to make it look good. So we'll go for it. And then disaster hits. Well, Then the second is to be drawn away. See, there's deception of being enticed, but then drawn away. What does that mean? It's like baiting a trap. You see, enticement through baiting a trap, an allurement of the bait, is such things like evil thoughts. Anybody in here have evil thoughts? Have you ever woken up and go, what, why in the world did I have that kind of dream? You ain't never done that before? Where did that come from? I wasn't in control of that one. Adulteries, fornication, homosexuality, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, pride, foolishness. All of these are forbidden fruit that God said, do not eat it. Now understand. I told you there's nothing wrong with thirst. But Budweiser is not the way you quench the thirst. It's just not. You want to continue on in it, I know where your pattern and where your life's headed. I see that every hanging out with buddies at Damascus Road. Sex, God gave us sex for enjoyment, and he gave it for procreation. But he did not give it to us without us being married. If you're having sex with anybody and you're not married, it is forbidden fruit. It's wrong. It's just as wrong as if God, what God told Adam and Eve. Don't do it. Isn't it amazing when you're young that that seems to be one of the greatest temptations at all, and then when you get 60, you wonder what in the world's going on? And And, and I did say this one time. I think probably the very antidote for the lust of sex is getting married. I don't know why it is, but I sure do spend a whole lot of time counseling a bunch of people that say, I don't understand why he's no longer interested in me. I don't understand why she's no longer interested in me. I said, I do. You got married. You just got married. And all of a sudden, everybody quits what you were doing when you were dating. You were working hard. To win that person over. then you get married, you just quit. You just t- all take it for granted. Look, I'm not fussing at you. I'm telling you that's what I've done. And what I have going on. It's a fight for everybody. You have to work at that. That's not something that comes very... It's not something that comes automatic. To be entrapped is, as I said, and it was Hebrews twelve one. The sin which so easily draws us away, traps us, besets us. And then, thirdly, is disobedience. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. To conceive describes a woman conceiving with child. Up to this point... You may have had something tempt you, but temptation is not sin. Now, temptation will lead us towards sin, and when it's conceived, that is when we yield, participate in whatever it is that Satan has set up there for it to look good, then we cross a line. David walked out in 1 Samuel 2. And he should have been at battle with his troops, but some reason, by, some reason he lo- lollygagged and he was, he was uh, in the palace by himself. He goes up to the top of the uh, palace and looks across at a, at a woman bathing nude, and her name, the Bible says, was Bathsheba. If David would have just went back down to the steps... And left it alone. I mean, he couldn't help it because he saw it. But you see, he didn't stop there. He began to think about it. He began to cultivate it. He began to inquire about it until finally, the Bible says, he sent for her and they conceived out of wedlock a child. You see, when you read in the book of Psalms, especially Psalms 51? Did David have a wonderful time and just a lollygag fooling around and, and having sex with somebody? No, he didn't. Read Psalm 51. There was a consequence that broke the spirit of David. And when you read it, you will see it. Fourthly is death when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and when sin is finished it bringeth forth death you know sometimes i think we think that we can just do what we want to do and get by with it there's one thing especially if you're saved if you're saved then you're going to you're going to feel a sense of spiritual death if you commit or you act on the forbidden fruit, whatever it is. It's just, you're going you're gonna to have that godly conscience just all of a, all of a sudden but overwhelm you and begin to mess with you. But then, there is what the Bible calls a sin that is unto death. You say, what is that? I can't define it other than to tell you this. It's committed by believers And it is a sin. There is a line drawn in our lives where God says, I've had enough and I'm taking you home early. I'm just bringing you on. You've embarrassed me enough. There was a medieval blacksmith that was taken prisoner and held in a dungeon. And he began to examine the chain that he was bound by. And as he looked at it, he was trying to find a flaw by which he could break out and break free, but then he realized that this chain was one that he made himself. He prided himself that, th- that he made such a lock or a, a, a piece of metal chain that nobody could break it. He found himself bound by his own work. I wonder today, how many of us are bound by the sin of weakness in some area of flesh that we have actually were bound by our own self? One young guy got saved, and he'd go to work, and he, told his, he would talk to his boss. So he said, man, the devil's giving me a fit. Y'all ever said that? It just seems like the devil's having a heyday with me this week. Y'all ever said that? I mean, it just seemed like everywhere I turn, the devil's there. Well, the boss and him went duck hunting one day. And and finally, the boss spoke up and he said, son, he said, I want to get this straight. He said, it seems like every time you talk about your faith as a believer, the devil's after you doing something. He said, that's right. He said, well, I just want you to know that the devil don't ever bother me. I'm never tempted to do anything. He said, now what's up with that? He said, well, I, don't, I, I only know how to explain it one way. If two ducks came flying in and we shot at one, killed it dead in a hammer, and shot at the second one and we didn't kill it, and it was just flopping in the water, which duck are we going to go to to pick up. He said, well, naturally, we go to the duck that's flopping. He said, that's right. He said, I want you to know the devil knows you're a dead duck. And he knows that he didn't have to do much work with you because he's already got you. And he's not going to have to tempt you because you're already given in to temptation. He doesn't have to try to discourage you from getting saved because you ain't saved. But you see, when people become a threat. And when Jesus comes in our life, we become a threat because we might tell somebody else and that they might hear us and they might learn something and they might get saved. You think Satan wants that? No. And so that is, in my opinion, why he takes our weaknesses, he takes his tackle box and his bait, he takes all of the the things that are at His disposal the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and He does everything He can from the very beginning. He's never changed His tactics. You want to know why He hasn't changed? Because they work. It works. And our world is in the mess that it is today because it works. I really believe with all my heart That if we learn to run from evil, to flee evil, to not participate in evil, that we will stay in the safety and shelter of Jesus and the promise that if we follow him, he will guide us and lead us in every step. But if you don't, and you being a believer, if you don't, you will experience what is called spiritual death. And, and sometimes spiritual death can even make you feel like you don't even know if you've been saved or not. You don't have a hunger for the Word anymore. You don't have a hunger to pray anymore. You don't have a hunger for church anymore. All you are is targeting after fleshly things. the only thing that brings you happiness. Remember, it hits everybody. We're all facing it, including me. And it's an inside job. Testing comes from the outside. Temptation comes from the inside. And when it takes place, sometimes it's very difficult to deal with the consequences. With your head bowed and your eyes closed.